Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. Good morning, Branches. If you guys could take a seat, we'll get started. I'll just start us off with a quick word of prayer. Um, Father, we're grateful for this morning. Uh, We're grateful for this season and what it means to those of us who believe and who follow. Uh, We pray in the next few weeks that you would give us opportunities to show your love to others, to show what it means to serve and to follow you what it means to walk in the light. And Father, we're grateful for this morning. We continue to lift up Boog and his family. I pray that you would heal his body and bring him back to us. We thank you and praise you for the skill of the doctors and surgeons who are helping him. And Lord, we look forward to the day when he's back here with his whole family. We pray this morning that you would speak through those who are up front and that your word would be proclaimed. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Boog's in the hospital, recovering from surgery a few days ago. Uh, Word is he's doing well and recovering nicely, and hopefully we'll be home uh, tomorrow or the following day. Uh, But let's continue to pray for him and his family. He had lung surgery, for those who don't know, uh, but things are looking good from what we have heard from staff. But he is here this morning, which you'll see in just a moment. Um, He's in the hospital, but he's also here. Um, But for our theme, we've been talking about light and what it means that Jesus is the light of the world. So I just want to share a couple scriptures with you this morning, and then you're going to hear from some people who can testify to what that means in their own lives personally. Um, One verse I'd like to share from you share with you is from the Gospel of John, verse 8, 32. It says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And this morning, you're going to hear some stories about what that means, to be set free, because the world is a tough place, and there's a lot that can bind us and keep us prisoner, but that's not what following Jesus is about. That's not what the light of the world is about. And then Jesus says, also in the Gospel of John, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So this season we're celebrating that Jesus is the light of the world. And you throw that around... And let's face it, none of us really even know what that means. And it's very difficult at this time of the year when we say that he's the light of the world and we've got Christmas trees lit up and houses lit up and candles everywhere. And yet sometimes this can feel like the darkest time of the year. But Jesus is the light of the world. God is love. God is also light. And light has this unique characteristic. It reveals And it shows us things that we don't want to see and things that we do want to see. 
But regardless, this light shows us the truth. So traveling, I was exposed to these things that I would never have in my house and I'd never buy. And there's these little mirrors that are magnifying mirrors. And what happens is, is, is you go into this hotel room or into some fancy person's house and they have it and you look at yourself and the light reveals all these things that you never saw before. Like as a guy, I didn't notice that you could have hair right here on the top of your nose. Like I never saw those before until that light and that magnifying glass would just show it. And then I started noticing hair up here. I'm not supposed to have hair up there. And then I got those professor eyebrows. Like you get these long, just crazy on their own ones. And then you start seeing them coming out of your nose. And that's when you realize, wait, I'm an old dude. But I didn't realize that until the light revealed it. So the light shows you things that you don't want to see. But the light will also reveal things that are beautiful. Like for example, my eye. That's right, I said it. I have beautiful eyes. But they're just so complex. They're so amazing. And you look at your skin and you see all those pores. And you can't believe that you're this complex. The light reveals. And it shows us things we don't want to see. But you really want to see them. These eyebrows, I want to see that. So that I can pluck them out. Yeah, I said that. I pluck my eyebrows. Because if I don't, I'm going to have English professor eyebrows that just stick out and everybody stares at them and I don't even know they're staring at them. All the different random things. But it also helps me to see the things that I need to see that I won't appreciate. Like how complex I am. Jesus said in John 8, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Isn't that what we all want? Especially during the season when it feels like we're not free. The finances are tight. Life is tight. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But it's not easy. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Because you will have the light that leads to life. The light of God is revealed through Jesus when we follow him. That light that exposes and reveals what we need to see so that we can be free. It happens when you follow him. So we have two people sharing today. Kim Duran and the Hodges. And Kim Duran is going to share right now the truth of this reality. <coughs> Oh, you guys, I'm so nervous. Okay, just had to get that out there. Um, I was actually really excited when Boog asked me to share. Um, it doesn't take away the fact that I'm just super n nervous and feel super vulnerable, but um, I feel like in my testimony, um, if the purpose isn't to, um, you know, speak to others and help others through my story, then what was the point of it all, really? So um, 
I just want to talk to you guys a little bit about what it was like for me. Um, I grew up in a really small town uh, with very loving family, um, very supportive family, and uh, I, I would say like just kind of like normal teenage rebellion. Now, my mom might not say that that was that I was normal teenage rebellion. Um, I did take it to the limit sometimes, but. Um, for me, uh, you know, I always just kind of felt like separate a little bit, um, maybe a little bit different. Um, I did experiment with drugs, um, and I liked them. So uh, I'll fast forward a little bit because I feel like I did have a quite a lot of years of just kind of lightly experimenting um, in and out going to school, um, getting a good job, like, um, you know, doing normal things um, that you do as you grow up, paying my own bills and maintaining my life. And then um, I had met um, met a man and um, just fell madly in love with him. And he... Um, had known more of the world than I did. I feel like I was sheltered a little bit. And um, so I asked him to um, introduce more. I wanted to try and experiment with more. Um, and so he did that. I, w- I want to say he was actually very um, caring and protective over me and did not let me take it to a place where I probably would have. Um, and we started just um, being in that dark place. During this time, I was going to church with him. He he had a church in the town that we lived in, um, and he was like, we should go to church. I was very close with the church family. I had um, accepted Jesus into my heart. Um, I fully believe um, in the Bible and Jesus and all of that, but I did not feel like I had like a clear Um, applicable way to put that into my life. Like, I didn't know what that meant. Like, yeah, I accepted Jesus, but like, I don't know what that means. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. So I just went about doing my own human self-centered, self-will. And I I call it uh, sometimes, and I've heard people say like, self-will run riot. So Everything got really hectic, and everything got really out of control. And for um, for us and for me, I don't know. I can't tell you, like, that moment when it was just fun and experimenting changed into I couldn't function without drugs. And it was dark, and it was a dark place. That wasn't a decision I made. I feel like I gave the darkness, a small foothold, and the rest just creeped in and filled my life to a point where I no longer had a choice. And I, I was reading the scripture um, that Bogut shared in Greg, uh, John 8, 32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Um, but uh, just a couple of verses down, Jesus says in 34, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And that is where I was at with my life. And I didn't have choices. And I felt like I was just completely a slave to this life that I had made choices in the beginning. And that is where I had ended up. And I didn't know how to get out. And um, I just think um, 
think back to it and it, it was just such a dark time um, of when, you know, I stopped being able to function and um, lost the job and lost the cars and things started to fall away. Um, and what happened was um, on June 6th of 2006, um, well, this, this man, this amazing man, um, we got married um, and uh, we were trying to get sober together. We were trying to, we wanted to do life. We wanted to have kids. We wanted all this stuff, but we couldn't figure out how to do it. We worked so hard. We, we tried to help each other. We tried to go get help from our family. Um, we had a plan. I had a plan. We kept having plans. And what happened was on um, June 6th of 2006, I had um, discovered his body and he had overdosed and passed away. I was 26 years old when I buried my husband, and it was so dark and so surreal, and I didn't know what had happened. How did it get to this point, you know? It was just an accident. It wasn't the plan. It wasn't my plan. So, um... You know, I feel like in that, um, now when I look back and, like, as I um, changed things um, for myself, I um, decided to get sober. Uh, yes, I um, went home and detoxed, and I um, came to this area to go to a rehab. And um, in that, I still, still was like... I just have to quit using drugs, and then I can go and start a new life for myself, right? No problem. Um, I did do the things that they asked me to do, and I read the things that they asked me to read, and um, I discovered that I um, wanted to make a decision to turn my will and my life over to God. That moment is crystal clear. The weight of the world lifted off my shoulders, and all it took was to make a decision. You know, that moment wasn't about action. That moment was about I actually made a decision and I surrendered everything. I can't do life on my own. I'm not very good at it. I messed it all up. And all the stuff that happened before, it was all my plan. It was all what I wanted or what I thought was going to fix it. It was never, I never asked God what he wanted. And that was the difference, like, for me in realizing, like, whoa, I don't have to do this on my own. Like, God will guide every aspect of my life. You guys, today, I, like, tell God everything. Like, he gets the real raw me. Um, and, and it's good because I let him guide even the smallest of decisions because I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it on my own. And, um... I feel like a lot of that was just in um, practicing prayer. I didn't know if I was praying right. I didn't know um, how to have that relationship, so I just practiced. I just did it how I thought. I listened to how other people did it. I tried it how they thought, and um, I just started to have this relationship that I didn't know I could have, and um, God blessed me huge in all of that, and uh, just like some of the blessings, like... Um, as I moved forward, um, after I had made a decision, it was a lot of hard work. It's not like, oh, that transforming moment and everything was peaches and now everything was fixed. Then I had to get to work and I had to get into action. And what that 
for me was, was taking this outline for living and like putting it into action, being of service for other people when I didn't feel like it. Um, when I'm in my lowest moments, I try and reach out, be of service to someone else. Um, I believe that that's God's purpose for me. And um, so some of the really fun miracles, uh, we didn't have money for me to keep staying in sober living, but um, I, um, my, my church that we had gone to called and said, hey, we want to give this amount of money. It was enough for one more month. Um, then I didn't know where I was going to live in another month. And um, they said, uh, someone from my um, rehab called me and said, hey, will you house manage the sober living? I got to live there for free. Um, I house managed sober livings for a year um, and lived for free. Um, and that was just God. That was me turning it over. That was me not trying to figure out what I'm gonna do next month, but trying to figure out what I'm gonna do today. That's it. Um, Donovan, um, when I got pregnant with Donovan, it was a very exciting time. And his due date um, was June 6th. And that was the um, date that my husband had passed away. And on every paper I filled out throughout that entire pregnancy, I was reminded of that date. And God restored it for me because it is a such a time of joy. He wasn't born on that day, but um, it's just... These are the kind of miracles, and I just want to say, like, in my own humanness, I am weak. I am so flawed. I am so unsure of myself, and um, I just pray that I keep my eyes to him because I don't want to do life without him. It's dark, and I just feel like, um, you know, I've gotten my life back. <sighs> I allow... Um, myself to feel, but I also allow God to take things from me. I don't need to wallow in anything, and life keeps going. There's still trials, but I'm never alone anymore, and it's like, that's what we get, you know, to make this decision to invite God in and then make a decision to walk in that. It's just so amazing, and I'm I'm so grateful and so blessed, and um. In John 8, 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And that is my story. Like, I get to walk in light every single day because every morning I wake up and make that decision all over again. It's the best decision I ever made. So thanks, you guys. <laughs> Like many of you, when I heard Kim's story for the first time, I couldn't believe it. But really, is it really that far-fetched? I mean, you look at Kim, and you know how amazing she is. And if you don't, I'll just tell you, she's amazing. And to think that she went through all of that. But as much as she was in that darkness... The focus that we want to have for this morning is that light, the light that came in. And as you heard her story, that's how it has actually lived out. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And it sounds really nice, but when you hear Kim's story, you hear what it means to go from the darkness to the light. Because Jesus said, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in the darkness. Kim had to make the decision to follow Jesus. And that's not an easy decision. This is not 
oh, just let the light in and everything's going to be great. No, there is trial, there is difficulty, because when something is revealed, you don't want to see it, but you really do. And then when you see it, you have to do something about it, and you co-labor with God. And during this season, as we you know, celebrate, and as we share with others, and remind ourselves first that Jesus is the light of the world, we have to remember the second half of it. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. The next family that's going to share are Jim and Melissa Hodge. And this was exciting for me because when I first heard their story, and they have everyone that's been sharing this month, they have more than just one story. But this story for me is defining because Jim and Melissa are a pillar of our community of faith. Many of you lean on them. And you assume maybe that they were just born with this kind of strength. But it's when you've walked through the darkness and you've made the decision to follow Jesus and he's taking you out of the darkness and into the light and giving you life, that is when you become who God created you to be. And when we look at Jim and Melissa and the story you're about to hear, I want you to remember what Jesus said. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in the darkness because you'll have the light that leads to life. And we can hear these scriptures and talk about them, but when you see it lived out like we saw in Kim's life, and now you're about to hear it and see this truth play itself out in the life of the Hodges, then you'll understand what Jesus said when he said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And the truth that he refers to in John 8, 32 is the truth that is revealed by following Jesus. So let's welcome up the Hodges and let's hear their story. All right. It's great. Thanks. That's so strange to be called the pillar of the community. <laughs> wow, no pressure or anything. Um, and in going over um, what... Uh, trying to prepare this. We've never shared this up front together. Like, we, we've done it individually before, but not together. So this, is, this could go awry, just <laughs> warning you all. Um, but I realize that I'm a lot like Jonah, which is not a fun thing to be the guy that gets stuck in the belly of a whale while you're running away from God. Um, yeah, that's kind of me. But so he uses craziest people to get messages through. And, um, and I guess that's, that's kind of what we are, a bunch of mess-ups that uh, God really had mercy on and decided to share a message through. Um, so to start, I guess we could start from the beginning. Jim and I, are, uh, we're high school sweethearts. Um, we were the mom and dad of our group, our social circle, the slow and the steadies. And when we got married um, really young, nobody was surprised. Um, that wasn't a surprise to anybody. Um, the opposites attracting, that exists. Um, <laughs> But when you um, have a marriage like that, it shows up in different ways, um, and it's a lot harder um, than when we were dating. And earlier in our marriage, we found out we had some speed bumps, um, and it showed up in avoidance of issues. It showed up in um, isolation and kind of a leading of separate lives. Um, No, not yet. I'm not ready. Um, (laughs) 
But we did love each other. We did love each other. We're ready. Yeah, we tried to have a baby for three of those years, and um, it was very difficult. It definitely grew us apart more and more. Thank you. Um, all the doctor's appointments, the medical treatments, and just the disappointment you know, month over month was just devastating to us to the point where we decided it was better that we were apart than together. And um, we decided to separate and go down the path of divorce. And um, our life, pretty much as we knew it, fell apart. And we, uh, um, we separated and heading down the path of divorce. And it was about 18 months that we were completely separated. And um, yeah, life as we knew it, it, it was over. That was um, a really uh, crazy time. Uh, it felt like um, I had jumped out of an airplane without um, a parachute and there was no landing in sight. So it, I couldn't, it felt like the floor of my world had fallen apart and um, I had nowhere to look. So I did what norm, I guess normal people would do is try to find some sort of resemblance. I looked to books and I read every, I mean, men are from Mars, men are from Venus. I think I highlighted that whole sucker and just kind of <laughs> made that my Bible. Um, I looked to shows. I, I talked to people that had gone down divorce roads and found ways to justify my, our decision, um, our life, my choices. Um, and uh, that just didn't, it, it just wasn't the right way. It wasn't what was supposed to happen. I, I just felt like we did all the right things and we're here. And during that time, um, a friend of mine had invited me to church because we go out the night before Friday, Saturday on happy hours, and then Sunday, nobody does anything, it felt like. And so she invited me to church, and um, I went. And I was usually the last to arrive and the first to leave. Um, I observed a lot, and I watched. Um, that bread thing on the table, that's not donuts. They're not donuts. Um, that it was a whole nother ritual. I wasn't even sure what that was. But um, I learned things, and I listened. Um, and I'm, I kept coming back week after week. Um, and I just, I'm glad I did, because when the breakdown happened, and, it, and it eventually it came, the realization of when I took a hard look at what my choices were in my life, um, what... I had done um, and realized how it looked. Um, I made a mess of things. Um, I hurt my family. I hurt my friends. Um, and I just wanted to check out. And I wanted it to be over and I wanted it to be done. And I think, I want to say I prayed, but I don't know. I think I did. Um, but the response I received back was incredible. And it was a small voice that said, you've tried everything, and how about uh, giving me a shot? Let me try at your marriage. And the craziest thing, I listened. And so I called Jim. We were supposed to meet to sign papers for divorce. Um, and I just threw a grenade and asked him, uh, what do you think about trying again? And giving another shot. Yes, I don't remember that phone call, but <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know how she did it, but 
I must have said yes. I do remember. Uh, she has her ways, but um, I do remember sitting in that counselor's office back there again, trying, um, not ready to commit to her, but the counselor looked at us, and she knew it too. She um, asked us if we could commit to her for six months, and we did. And in that six months, she promised, or she made us promise that we wouldn't use the D word, so we wouldn't even think or say the word divorce in that. And um, we worked at it. We worked really hard. That was the most difficult time in my life. Um, you know, looking at me, looking at my faults, trying to change, looking at her, trying to figure out how she did things, the complete opposite of how I did things and do things to this day and drive me crazy. Um, a lot of frustration. But, you know, she was going to church, which was great. I went occasionally with her through that six-month process. And... Um, now, there's still something missing in me through this, and we, um, or I, um, still wasn't all the way committed, and the Lord still had work to do in me, and he has the funniest ways, and um, looking back on it, you know, even like the, the, the worst things you can think of actually ended up being the best things to your life. So my story of that one night was um, I went on a men's um, ski trip up at Mammoth, and we were heading back home. And Melissa was waiting for me at home. And instead of going home, we went to a bar in San Bernardino and um, had some beers, watched the Laker game, had one too many beers, uh, hopped in the car, and immediately was pulled over. Um, ended up in the back of a cop car, just, you know, why me? You know, this, isn't, this shouldn't happen to me. I'm a good guy. Um, you know, the whole thing. But looking back on it, you know, I just, you know, lied to my wife. Um, told her I was like stuck up in Mammoth. I didn't tell her I was at a bar. And, um, you know, I had too much to drink. And I was sitting there in jail. And in the darkest of times, like all that self-righteousness and pride was just washed away that one night. I mean, it was a one long night in jail, no, no sleep. And, but yet he came. And, um, yeah, the darkness just drifted away. And um, it was clear, like Kim said, it was crystal clear of exactly what I needed to do. I mean, recommitted to God that night, recommitted to Melissa that night, and recommitted to our marriage. That was a long ride home from jail. Um, but probably the best um, conversation that we've had, we... Um, we were missing something, and like he said, uh, and that was uh, a trust. And in uh, that road home, um, I saw a different guy. There was vulnerability, openness, um, and uh, we, we were both flawed people. And um, it changed our marriage from that point on. Um, so we continued on into counseling, and when our counselor closed her appointment book at the end of six months and said, you graduated, you did good, we were like, no, no, don't let us go. You don't want us out there without, it just was ridiculous. Um, but I, we went, and we, we graduated, I was very proud of us, gold stars. Um, but I did, through counseling, realize that um, 
I was a very, very selfish person, self-centered. Um, I did things that I wanted to do, made decisions for myself. Um, and there's no way that I could be a mom because moms are the selfless ones. And that, in my mind, that was the reason why. That's why we couldn't have a baby. There's no, why would you give a baby to me? So I told Jim, I said, I don't think um, we're going to have kids. And I don't believe that we were meant to have children and that I am a selfish person and I'm sorry. Jim was meant to be a dad. Uh, it devastated him, but he went along. What I didn't realize was um, the next month we found out we were pregnant. <laughs> God is so funny like that. He's got this way of just, yeah, you think you know? You don't even know. Um, and then he proceeded to... Um, we had no jobs after that. We both lost our jobs. We were dual income, no kids, and we were cruising. And we, had, we were pregnant, no health insurance, and no jobs. Just out of the blue, some random reason. But, and, you know, it was a rough time, and we were scared. But uh, we weren't scared, though. That was the, the difference. It, it, was, it just it felt like God was um, clearing the way of anything that we knew before. He has that way of designing things. What seem like messes and crazy times, uh, he, he just makes it clear now, I can see, that he didn't give us any resemblance of our life before to lean on. So he started fresh for us. Yeah, no, we're, we're still opposites, even all the way down to folding our paper, how she folds her paper. And it's just unbelievable. Like, looking at it, it's like, I was looking at this going... I have to live with that. <laughs> Our small group knows this all too well. Just, yeah, just ask them. Um, but I wouldn't want any other, any other way. It's, it's, it's definitely a challenge. Um, we work at it every day, but definitely well worth it. Well worth it. I think um, having a community of faith um, is key. Uh, having people around um, that hold you accountable, that know your story, and give you an opportunity to share. Um, Boog said, and he just texted this morning, goes, we're just a bunch of beggars telling other beggars where to find bread. And in sharing these stories, that's it's kind of what it is. So we are thankful for our friends and family that stuck through our crazy life and our decisions um, and a community of faith to walk us through. So we hope um, you guys can have an opportunity to share your story with others as well someday. So thank you. Now I hope what you guys heard this morning was stories of God's faithfulness. And even in the darkest times, God is faithful. And he pursues us. He pursued Kim when she was at her lowest moments. She pursued Jim and Melissa individually and together when they were at their lowest moments. And for those of us who walk with the Lord, we know uh, he always pursues. And maybe there are some of you who don't understand what that means and who don't know what it means to walk with the Lord. So this morning, we're going to give you an opportunity, if, if that's something that interests you, if you've tried on your own and realized that it's not working out, that your life is a mess and you need someone to help. Jesus promises that he'll help. And
both Jim and Melissa and Kim and I think Stefan as well, who's got another story of God's amazing faithfulness. Uh, they're going to be outside right over here to your left. If any of you want to go pray about walking with the Lord going forward, any one of those people would love to do that with you. Or if you're just in the midst of something and you need prayer, they're going to be there for you to pray. Take advantage. And anytime you see those of us here at Branches, if you need prayer, grab someone. Grab me, grab grab Kim, grab Jim or Melissa or any of the folks up here on stage because we'd love to pray for you about whatever it is you're going through because we all go through it and we all need Jesus. I'm going to share a scripture because this morning's a, a great time. to take communion. From 1 Corinthians, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So this morning, together, we're going to proclaim the Lord's death. We recognize his birth here in a few days, but that's only part of the story. The rest of the story is that he died for us. And to make us whole. So we've got communion happening in the back. I think it looks like Apple's getting it ready back there. Uh, If I could call the worship team up. Then I'll pray for us. And uh, when we start worship, we'll do so in music and prayer through communion. Uh, And please go pray with Jim, Melissa. Kim and Stefan outside if you feel the Lord tugging at your heart. Father, we're grateful that you've chosen us. We're grateful that you pursue us in darkness and that you don't give up. Lord, we may give up at times on you, but you never give up on us. Thank you for that. Thank you for choosing us. We love you, Lord, and are grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.